right, as Sean said last week, 2024, a new year, a year that we're going to be marked to be different. I think it's a year that is going to be significant. Um, It's a year of growth, it's a year of movement, it's a year of impact. And yes, whilst that's easy to say at this point of the year, when you're hopeful and you're faithful and you're, okay, 2023 is gone, and those years before that have gone, and now we've got this new year, it's easy to say that, um, but it's really important that we are intentional, that we're strategic, that we're deliberate in making this year significant, making sure that it is impactful. Um, Faith without works is dead, right? So if we want 2024 to be marked, I think there's two things, and there's probably lots of things we need to be doing, but two things specifically. One is making sure that we are first and foremost immersed in the presence of God. First and foremost, making sure that we have got this happening continually, ongoing, being in his presence here on a Sunday morning, making sure that this is a priority, making sure that connect groups are a priority, making sure our time, whatever you do during your day to intentionally connect with God, that's a priority. And then secondly, moving where he leads us, listening to his voice, hearing his voice. When we are doing that first, we Again, we're going to have that same sort of awareness of his presence. We're going to have that awareness of his voice, those stirrings that we get within us, those feelings, those emotions that he places on us, moving in that flow. There's nothing greater than going where God leads and trusting and obeying. So today's message is in line with that. I do not have a PowerPoint today. Uh, First week back at school. (laughs) Um, so hopefully you've got your Bibles or your Bible on your phone with you, or you can just take notes. We're going old school today. <laughs> um, and the title is, What's My Part? What's My Part? Because we all know that God is moving. He's, mo- he's constantly working within us, and he's constantly working within the world, but what's our part? How do we, we all want to be used by God. We all want to be used for his glory. We want to bring heaven closer to earth. We want his kingdom to come. But what do we play? What's our role in all of this? Um, A couple of weeks ago, I spoke in City about Jesus um, how God, how Jesus reveals who God is, how he reveals the meaning of scripture and how he reveals how we're to reach our world in a beautiful way. And um, I don't know how long now, I keep talking to Maria. I've got this strong sense that we, and this urgency that we just need to keep speaking Jesus, <laughs> that we need to keep bringing Jesus to the forefront of everything that we do, everything that we do, everything that we speak, speak in the way that we act, the lens of Jesus must be at the center of everything we do and how we view everything. So this morning, we're going to keep speaking Jesus and answering as best we can, what's our part? What's my part in this world, in this life, um, in navigating our time here on earth. Um, and we can't point, I don't apologize for keeping speaking Jesus either. We can't point enough to him. 
Um, He is our everything. He is our reason. He came to restore and to redeem this world. He came to reveal the Godhead nature to us. And he came here um, to earth in flesh. And he fulfills the prophecies. He is the light of the world. He is our hope. Okay, so we're going to be speaking out of Isaiah today. Isaiah chapter 55. So if you do have your Bibles handy, turn to Isaiah 55. Um, or you can just listen to my voice. (laughs) I'm going to, I tried to think, should I just shorten the chapter? But no, I'm just going to read. I'm going to read as far as we can go. Um, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you do not, you not, you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. Let's start, verse 1. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Written by Isaiah. So Isaiah was a prophet for um, over 40 years, so a decent ministry time that. Um, And he was about 700 years before Christ. When we read this passage, again, we can overlook some of the things that he is saying because of the context and the world in which we live. You know, to go and buy milk and to buy wine whilst costly, but I mean, I guess it depends on the type of wine you're buying. It's not necessarily exuberant. But in the time that Isaiah was living... In the time that he wrote this, these things were luxury items. So they would be served at like a royal banquet, but not an everyday luxury, not an everyday um, thing that you would have. And yet Isaiah writes, the invitation here is to come and to receive these things without cost. So when Isaiah wrote this, it was in the time that the Israels were 
um, the Israelite, Israelites were being exiled from Babylon. They were heading back home. Um, so after the fall of Babylon to the Persian king Cyrus the Great, the exiled um, Judeans were permitted to return to their homeland of Judah, which is in the south of Palestine now. And they were returning home. For some of them, they were returning home to a place that was home, but they'd never known. They'd never been there. They'd never grown up there. It was foreign. They were from Babylon. And yet, um, so then in verse 8 and 9, it says, For the, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So the people that he's writing to, the Israelites, they had grown up in this um, empire of Babylon, an empire which thought it was the best, as empires do, that was built on materialism, which was built on consumerism. You work hard, you earn more. Um, It was a greedy society where you're always constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses um, and... Even the people, the rich top, at the, they were never fully satisfied. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds like today. <laughs> and the prophet Isaiah writes, Of the Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what these Israelites knew, having grown up in the empire of Babylon, God is saying, these are not your ways. These are not my ways. What you think is normal, that's not what I think. And he says to them, as they're returning to their homeland, come, buy wine and milk without cost and without honey. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? A thought, the way of life to them, where they hear this from the prophet Isaiah, would have just seemed so unimaginable. It would have seemed like this distant um, thought, concept, idea. Verse 10 As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. I've lost that last part there. Um, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. See, whilst Isaiah is writing this in a time um, of the return of the Jews to Judah, this is also a prophetic word for what was to come. The way of life, the way we were doing life here on earth was not the way of Yahweh, was not the way of God. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. How high are God's thoughts? Higher than the heavens from the earth. You know, now scientifically, we can go billions of light years into the universe and still not reach the heavens. What does this mean? That we cannot think our way to God's thoughts. But 
as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, the word of God must come to the earth. The word from heaven must come down to water, to nourish, to see flourishment, and it will succeed. It will succeed. You know, someone can bring a word. Anyone could bring a word. Isaiah can bring a word. Moses, John the Baptist, even a preacher on a good day can bring a word. But Jesus Christ is the word. In the word was in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the sorry, was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh. God became flesh here on earth. He became one of us. And because God's thoughts and God's ways are more than a billion light years away, we can never think our way there. We can never figure this life out for ourselves. And so the word of heaven came to earth. The word the Word and flesh, Jesus Christ, the Savior of our world. John three thirteen. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the Word of heaven. Jesus is the Word of the Father. Jesus is what God has to say. No one has ascended into heaven except the one who came from heaven. No one can understand God's wisdom and God's truth. That needed to come down from heaven to us here on earth. And when the word from heaven became flesh by divine nature into the Virgin Mary, salvation of the world was a foregone conclusion. We don't see it. But it was a foregone conclusion. Why? Because it does not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. The word does not return without accomplishing that for which God sent it. It's a foregone conclusion. Yes, it has to play out. But it will. The word, the world will be saved. John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, anyone can condemn the world. We can look at the world and we can condemn the world. That's easy. But God's plan, God's purpose and flesh was to save the world. Jesus, the word from heaven, does not return empty-handed and he came to save the world. It's easy, as I said, to condemn the world. We can look around. I just noticed I'm not wearing my wedding rings today. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Um, still happily married. <laughs> um, we can look around at the world around us, and we can go in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of war, in the midst of tension between countries, um, racial tensions, and feel super pessimistic. And like the hope is all drained from us. And we can ask, 
when we see the big picture, we can go, God, what's our part in this? What part do we now play in this? How do we help save this world? How do we save our nation? Yes, the Treaty of Waitangi was to bring two people groups together, and yet we still see so much disunity and so much anger and and hurt and and, and so many things. How how do we save our neighbours? How do we save our family? How do we save our friends? How do we save this world? We don't. We don't. We don't. When we feel disillusioned, disheartened, weighed down and heavy from the world around us, when we're confused as to what's our part in all of this, we remind ourselves, based on what we've just read, we remind ourselves that God did not send the word from heaven into the world to condemn it, but that through him, the world will be saved. We remind ourselves that the world will be saved. That's not our weight and that's not our responsibility to carry. It's not our job. However, that's also not an excuse to sit back and go, well, let's just watch it unfold. (laughs) It's not an excuse for inactivity or apathy either. What it is, it's an invitation It's an invitation to join with Jesus in doing what he is doing. So when we're asking, what is our part? What what is my part when I go to school and I teach my class? What is my part when I see relationships breaking down around me? What's my part in the way that I interact with my friends? What's your part when you go to work, when you're at the supermarket, in your household, with your extended family? What's your part? The prayer we need to be saying is, Jesus, I know that you are the savior of the world. I know that you are saving the world. I know that the world will be saved. How can I help? How can I assist? What part in the body can I play? How can I partner with you, Jesus? I can't save the world. You can't save the world. The Bible doesn't save the world. John 5.39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The Bible does not save us. The Bible points us to the Savior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings us home. Jesus is the one who brings us home into his Father's house with many rooms. Not the Torah, not Moses not a preacher, not a prophet. Jesus is the only one who can bring us home. And Jesus is the only one who can bring this world home. But we get to partner with that. And finally, in in Revelation 22, 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, 
the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. You see that correlation between Isaiah and now Revelation? Come, buy milk and honey without cost. Come, let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Our part is not to fight the Babylon that we're living in. It's not to accept the Babylon that we're living in. It's not to um, feel that weight and that pressure of the Babylon that we're living in, but our part is to accept the invitation of Jesus. Come. Come and receive wine and honey, living water. Jesus, the Savior of our world, has paid for it. It's free. Just come. Be a part of what he is doing. Listen to his voice. Listen to the promptings that he places on our heart for this year. Write them down. Meditate on them. Be in the word. Immerse yourself in truth. Surround yourself with people who can speak godly wisdom. The company that we keep is important. Be accountable. Because ultimately, our part to play is to accept the invitation of Jesus to come and be a part of what he is doing. That's it. It's simple. Amen? Amen. So can we stand? And um, as we play, can we sing um, We Fall Down? We Lay Our Crown? As we worship you know, we do, we, we fall down, we lay our crown, we're, we're putting that weight, whatever weight or heaviness you're feeling, let's lay it down at the feet of Jesus. It's not ours to carry. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. We've, yeah, as we worship. Father, I pray for each of us that whatever we are carrying into this year from years gone by, whatever we've picked up this year that is new or that is fresh, Lord, I thank you that you take us through seasons. And I thank you for your goodness and grace that follows us, that carries us within each season. But Lord, I pray for the weight, the heaviness, uh, the enormity, I guess, of what we see around us. Father, as we lay this down at your feet, would you speak to our spirit? Would you speak to our innermost being? As we cry out and say, Lord, what is my part? Show us, Lord. Show us how we can partner with you in doing what you are doing. Show us, Lord, how we can move in your flow. Because ultimately, Lord, there is nothing that we would rather be doing than that which you have called us.